Amen. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I love what I feel, and I love what God is doing, what God has done this week. And uh, I just tell you, there is nothing like uh, being in His house and feeling His presence. And I told a couple of people as I, you were worshiping, magnifying the Lord, I really do enjoy church. I'm telling you, there's nothing like being with God's people. Amen. And it's so beautiful to see this, this church and to see what the Lord has done and what the Lord is doing. And uh, I, I, I would be a little bit intimidated if I was somewhere else after uh, what God has done already to get up here and preach. Except I've seen how you've responded all week long. And I believe there's some people that are still ready to hear the word of the Lord. Are you hungry for his word tonight? Amen, amen. And I want to say it is so good to be here with all of you. And uh, in fact, I'm going to let you be seated very quickly. Uh, I want to say how good it is to be here with you and appreciate uh, how, uh, how you've made me just feel at home. And uh, I believe a lot of that is due to uh, the leadership here. The McKillops, they're just, they're, they're first class at making people feel gener- at home and, and uh we just enjoyed being here and had a tremendous time, and uh, they've, they have fed us like kings. We have, I, I think I've ate every 30 minutes since I've been here the last three or four days, and uh, we've uh, introduced me to Putin. Am I saying that right? Yeah. And smelt even, <laughs> and liver, praise the Lord. And uh, I, they didn't force that on me. That just Some other people I happened to be with ate that. But we ate good this week, and I've enjoyed being here with all of you. Good to be here with uh, Bishop McKillop, his wife, Sister McKillop. And uh, I want to just say my mom said to give you a hug, Sister McKillop, and tell you she loves you. And uh, so good to be here with them. And then uh, Brother Daniel, Sister Ruth McKillop, appreciate them, their friendship. And, uh, of course, uh, Brother and Sister uh, Damon McKillop, the whole McKillop family. And uh, then Brother Townley, Sister Townley, their family, appreciate them. And these have been friends for a long time. Love them uh, so very, very much. And uh, we've mentioned this already, but it's, it's worth mentioning again. But how many appreciated the word of the Lord we've heard these mornings from Brother Ham? I'm telling you, God has met with us. And uh, it, it's evident that God was doing something special. And I'm glad I got to be here and to see what the Lord did. Enjoyed being with Brother Ham, just riding back and forth. And I really mean that. Love and appreciate you so very, very much. And appreciate this great, great church. I want to say I appreciate your worship. I love being with people that love to, uh, love to worship the Lord. And uh, just, just uh, I, want to keep, I want to encourage you to keep that up. It is a blessing to me, a blessing to us. And uh, so good to see, again, what the Lord is doing here. Amen. How many love living for the Lord? Aren't you glad to be living for Him tonight? Amen, amen. I would like us to go ahead and stand, and if you have your Bibles, I want to turn to the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 32. Jeremiah, chapter 32, and we're going to begin reading with verse number 1, and uh, I want to also say thank you for the room, for the basket, and uh, just for everything since, uh, since I've been here. Amen. Jeremiah, chapter number 32, and beginning with verse number 1. And uh, I, I want to just preach to us for a few minutes. And if you'll allow me to kind of lay a foundation, we'll get into this uh, here in a bit. Jeremiah 32 and verse number 1. 
The Bible says the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem. So I want you to notice the setting in this passage. Babylon is coming against Israel, specifically the uh, kingdom of Judah, besieged Jerusalem. And Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison, which was in the king, uh, in the king of Judah's house. For Zedekiah, king of Judah, had shut him up, saying, Wherefore dost thou prophesy and say, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will give this city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And, and so uh, uh, the, the uh, prophet Jeremiah was locked up in a prison. The Bible says in verse 6 that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Behold, Hanamiel, the son of Shalom, thine uncle, shall come unto thee, saying, By thee my field that is in Anathoth, for the right of redemption is thine to buy it. So Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said unto me, By my field I pray thee, that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin. For the right of inheritance is thine, and the redemption is thine. Buy it for thyself. Then I knew that this was the word of the Lord. And I bought the field of Hanamiel, my uncle's son, that was in Anathoth, and weighed him the money, even 17 shekels of silver. And I subscribed the evidence and sealed it and took witnesses and weighed him the money in the balances. So I took the evidence of the purchase, both that which was sealed according to the law and custom and that which was open. And I gave the evidence of the purchase unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, in the, in the sight of Hanamiel, mine uncle's son, and in the presence of the witnesses that subscribed the book of the purchase before all the Jews that sat in the court of the prison. Amen. And I appreciate you standing for a little bit of a lengthy reading, but I do feel to preach to us for just a, a few minutes tonight. I don't want to preach on this subject, the pressure of the hour and the Lord's business, the pressure of the hour and the Lord's business. Amen. I'd like us to pray and I feel that God would like to talk to us one more uh, time tonight. Would you help me pray? Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for this great group of young people, this great group of the people of God. And God, I ask that you would anoint me, Lord. Anoint us to hear. God, you've been here all service long, and I pray, God, that you would anoint powerfully, that, God, you would speak to our hearts and our spirits. You would quicken our minds. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everyone said amen. Amen. And God bless you, and you can be seated tonight in the name of the Lord. Amen. In 1919, and if you'll allow me to take you back a little bit into a small slice of U.S. history, uh, the United States had just come out of, uh, in fact, the whole world, it seemed like, had just come out of uh, what was considered the Great War or World uh, War One. And in 19 and 19, the, the, the difference was uh, that uh, Europe and specifically Great Britain and the European allies, after World War I, were exhausted uh, financially. They had lost so many men, but also just had been 
really reduced financially from, uh, from World War I. And uh, in contrast to that, the United States had come out of the war, and, and their economy really was a thriving economy at that time. And, and uh, it, was a, it was a time of real prosperity in the United States. And, and uh, those of you familiar with uh, history understand that uh, was the time when a lot of people begin to uh, invest in uh, the stock market like never before. And there were a lot of stories of people uh, becoming wealthy overnight and uh, investing in the stock market. And, and uh, the interesting part about it, it was that most of the people that were buying stocks were not really uh, paying full price. They were basically buying uh, stock on credit. They were uh, buying on the margin, which is basically they would, in, in most cases, they would uh, pay about 10% of the value. And then as the stock would go up, they would use the profits uh, when, when the uh, stock was sold uh, to pay off the rest. Now, obviously, this works when the stock market is going up. There is a problem, though. The stock market doesn't always go up. Uh, can I get a witness? Amen. And, and, uh, and so they, this, this, this kept going on and on. It became a, really a frenzy in the United States and to the point where I read in one account where nearly 40 cents of every dollar that was loaned in America during that time was spent on uh, the stock market. That's, that's unbelievable. And more and more people bought. And the thing is, is as more bought, the stock market kept going up. And as the stocks went up, then more people would invest. And until finally in 1928, I read one account where it said that the stock market doubled in one year. Another said that it went up 50%. I'm sure it'd be easy to, to check, but either way, it went up astronomically uh, in, one, in one year. And so it just became part of the national consciousness of the United States. Everybody was involved and uh, just, just thinking the market's taking care of itself. Why not join in? The problem was, and, and, and many of you know where I'm going, that in October of 1929, there was six terrifying days as the stock market didn't just slide. It literally crashed by a third. And more than $25 billion in individual wealth was lost, which then was much, obviously with inflation, was much higher uh, percentage than, than would be today. And and uh, it was a, a terrible time. In fact, you, you read a history, you read a lot of businessmen would get on top of their buildings and, and jump to their death. And, and many committed suicide because they were so uh, consumed with this and, and uh, so fearful of what had, had happened. And, uh, but the point, perhaps, that I'd like to draw out of all of this is that if you had sold your stock in September, you'd have been doing all right. But just a few days difference, uh, you, were, you were in really bad shape financially. And, and so, obviously, timing is everything when you're involved uh, in business. And, and uh, there's a, a little bit more recent example. And again, I apologize for the, the U.S. example, but that's where I live. And, and uh, just recently, in 2006 or so, uh, began the decline in our housing market in the United States. And uh, I think Canada had a lot more sense than we did. You guys didn't borrow like we did. Our bank, your banks, uh, from my understanding, is just handled it much better. And, and uh, I'm sure there was fallout. But, 
Bottom line is that there was an incredible drop in housing prices. I live in California, and it was a bad time. And, and uh, I, I personally purchased a home that was uh, for just like two or three years later that was a third of what it had sold for. And uh, homes dropped dramatically. People bought, and they, as prices would go up, they would refinance their home and pull money out and go on vacation. And, and uh, the problem is that works if the market just always goes up. But again, can I tell you, it doesn't always go up. And eventually it, it went down, it crashed, and, and uh, the United States is still dealing with the repercussions of, of, the, of the, uh, the housing bubble. And so timing in business is everything. And really, and, and again, I don't mean to bore you with this, but the United States right now is, it, I read somewhere recently that corporate America, the business America, has more cash reserves than ever uh, in its history. And, uh, and that's just basically because there's so much uncertainty. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Things are up, things are down, and uh, they just are paralyzed by indecision. Now, I, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to, in, with, in light of that, think about the text that we just read. We read about a prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Now, rem, let me remind you a little bit of his, the economic conditions of his day. Jeremiah, first of all, was in prison. Everybody say he was in prison. Now, think about how that would affect your mentality. You're probably not, you know, thinking too much about anything other than the fact of I'm in jail right now. And I really wish I was not in jail. And, and he's in jail, but worse than that, his nation was at war. And really, at war is being generous. They were, they were you know, I guess you can call it at war when you're locked up in a city. They were besieged by the world empire, Babylon. The, the Bible lets us know that the enemies were at the gate. And they went to bed at night thinking about the enemy at the gate. And it was like they could hear them breathing right outside the door. And they woke up in the morning thinking about it. And it was in their consciousness. And I, I read one place that it was just a few months later that the siege, they finally broke through and, and conquered Jerusalem and, and took them captive. And, and, and so it's interesting, it's incredible that the Bible tells us that, that in these circumstances, uh, uh, God comes and begins to speak to Jeremiah and uh, he begins to tell him about a piece of property that Jeremiah was supposed to buy. And what's interesting is this piece of property was in the enemy's hands. The enemy possessed it at that point. It was, they were in control of it. And again, money was, was very scarce at that time. You can imagine, they're in a siege situation, a siege mentality. And it was in that, in those circumstances, that the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. And God began to tell him. He said, listen, Jeremiah, there's a piece of property. And, and you got a cousin by the name of Hannah Meal, the son of Shalom. It was basically his cousin that is going to come to you and tell you about this piece of property in Anathoth. And, and ask you to buy this piece of property. Now, now think with me. Think with me. Can you imagine? He's in jail. And he hears a knock on the door. 
and there's his cousin. And how nice his cousin's going to come visit him. And, 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 the, and the cousin comes in, and the cousin doesn't say much about, you know, Jeremiah, I just brought you a cake and wanted to tell you I really am bummed about you being in jail and, and we love you and we care about you. But no, this guy, God said, was going to come and try to get him to buy some property. Now, now I, I, I can only imagine what went through Jeremiah's mind. I, I do know he had a little problem believing it because the Bible says that when his cousin did finally come and knock on the door and come to the cell and have the immortal crust, the, 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 the chutzpah to look at him and say, hey, I know you're in jail. <laughs> I got a piece of property that the enemy possesses. Would you like to buy it? It's interesting that it would Bible says that it was at that moment that Jeremiah said, then I knew it was the word of the Lord. And I'll just tell you as a preacher, that gives me a lot of comfort, Brother McKillop. Even the prophet Jeremiah had to have things come to pass to know it was the word of the Lord. And, and, and so it, it, it happens and it comes to pass. And, and his, he offers him this property. And I want you to catch it. The Bible says that Jeremiah in prison... He ignored his personal circumstances. He ignored the fact that he was in jail. He ignored the fact that the people of God were in, at war. He ignored the fact that they were being besieged by Babylon, that their finances and economy was in a mess. The political situation was out of control. The social adversity coming from Babylon. And Jeremiah said, God if you want me to conduct business, if you want me to invest in the kingdom of God, if you want me to take a risk right now with the pressure of the hour on me, God, if you want me to do it, then I'm going to do it. Now, I, I'm going to just preach for a few minutes to us tonight. I, I know we live in a crazy world. Does anybody understand that? I could depress us real quick by reminding us about the political situation in our world. And I could talk about North Korea and I, whatever your political background. I could talk about Russia and Iran and, and China and expanding its navy. And, and, and I could talk about the social uh, situation. And again, in the States, I, I know we're, it's, it's, it's pretty much parallel with Canada as far as uh, some of the agendas that are coming down the pike and, and, and different things that are happening in, in or immorality and the family structure is under attack and, and, and the marriage is under attack. And, and if there ever was a world where, where, where addiction and habits that are not pleasing to God are, are proliferating, they, it, this is that time. And, and again, even the economy's a mess sometimes. And, and if we're not careful as young people, as the people of God, we'll look around and we'll think, you know what, all hell's busting loose and, and People are going nuts. Good people are doing stupid stuff. You think, what in the world is going on? And if we're not careful, the temptation will be to, to hunker down a little bit. To keep your head down. Just hope it will all go away. And, and you know, I've seen churches develop kind of a, a fortress mentality that, that says we're just going to close the gates and, and wait for Jesus to come back. And it's too, too much trouble to invest in our young people. Too much trouble to have a youth group. And 
Too much trouble to do outreach. Too much trouble to do Bible studies and to reach out. The devil always fights when we try. And it's just too much trouble to try anything. The pressure's too much. I've seen churches, they're like, a, like an ostrich. They bury their head in the sand. And it's like if I can't see the devil, he can't see me. Afraid to do, afraid to act, afraid to transact business for God, to invest in the kingdom of God. The, the timing's not right. This is maybe another time would be better. But I want to preach to us tonight. I, I want to remind a great church tonight that, that the answer is in none of these things. Can I tell you, the timing for revival is never just right. What, what I'm saying is you'll never have a moment where everything will just come together perfect. You can't just hunker down and wait till it all comes together. Amen. It's, it's the wrong thinking to just say, I'm going to hope it all blows over and too many crazy things happening. I'm going to quit involving myself in the church. I'm going to back up. I'm going to be less involved. I'm going to help less. I'm not going to be as involved in outreach and winning the lost. I'm going to tell you, it ain't time to develop a fortress mentality like an ostrich burying its head in the sand. Hallelujah. It's time for the church to come out of its shell and say, God, it may look nuts. People may be crazy doing ignorant things, but it's time for the church to do. It's time for the church to act. It's time for young people to get some courage and say, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to invest myself in the kingdom of God. Oh, is it all right if I preach for a couple of moments tonight? Amen. I don't think it's by accident that one of our favorite books in the Bible is called the Acts of the Apostles. It's not the ponderings of the apostles. It's not the thinking of the apostles. It's not the best wishes of the apostles. They refused to be paralyzed by the world they were in. My Bible, and we read it wasn't the best of times all the time. I read in Acts 3 and 4, when the lame man was healed, they were persecuted for that. I read in Acts 5, they were cast in prison for preaching. In Acts 7, uh, Stephen was martyred. In Acts 8, Saul goes uh, off. And Saul is, brings a great persecution against the church. And James is beheaded in chapter 12. And the apostle Peter is locked up in prison in same chapter. Same with Paul and Silas in Acts 16. But you know what I read? I don't read the church developing a fortress mentality. My Bible says that when they had that happen, and Saul's persecution came it just spread the gospel all across the world when Paul and Silas got locked up in jail they didn't just say well I'm just going to stay here and maybe they'll quit leave me alone but the Bible says they sang and, and, and gave praises unto God you know what I'm preaching? Don't wait for the perfect setting, the perfect weather the perfect set of conditions to do something for God I've come to tell you, the pressure of the hour ought not shut the church down. But there ought to be somebody that says, I want to do something for the Lord. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Oh, clap your hands and give the Lord some praise tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, you can be seated. I don't want to preach too long, but I do want to really drive this home. You you ever notice how much of Jesus' preaching was dedicated to this, this concept of, of, of don't let fear paralyze you? 
uh, Jesus would teach that we need to transact the Lord's business. And that's, you, you, you know the story of the parable of the treasure in the field. It's all about a man that found a treasure. Has anybody ever realized we've got a, something that's exciting? Some, we've got a treasure here. We got something precious. He found a treasure in the field. And, and, and the bottom line is this man, he went and he sold everything he had. He sold everything his family had. I could only imagine the pressure. Pressure from mama. Pressure from the kids. What do you mean you're going to sell my cell phone? What do you mean you're going to sell the family car and the house? But there was a man that said, I've got a treasure in the field. I, I, I refuse to let anything dis distract me. Anything anything uh, keep me from doing the Lord's business and he went and bought the field and got the treasure and when it was all done everybody said you know what that man was doing it right we know the story of the parable of the pearl of great price I won't go into all of that how about the parable of the 11th hour worker that's the one where the Bible says that Jesus is talking about the different workers at the different hour of the day. And, and, and the bottom line is he's talking about, uh, and really it's interesting that they're still transacting business at the 11th hour. There was just one more hour to go in the work day. And, and time was short. And, and what Jesus is saying is the pressure's heavy. We don't have much time. The, the, the pressure's heavy. Time is short. It's not time for people to be watching their clocks. And to, time for people to be checking out. It's not time for the church to be checking out. But it's time for the church, like never before, to buy into the vision of the pastor. And say, oh, God, there's a world that's lost and going to a devil's hell. We just got one hour left. The trumpet could sound at any moment. It could happen at any second. The work day's almost over. I'm not going to watch the clock. I'm not going to waste time. I want to be involved in the work of the kingdom of God. Amen. Jesus told us the parable of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. The Bible says that at midnight, the five wise already had oil in their lamp. They, they didn't, but the other five had procrastinated. They said, I'll do it later. I'll do it at another time, at a more propitious time. Listen, young people, we don't need to wait. We haven't got time to wait. We haven't got time to wait for another day. They're, they're, the, the Bible lets me know that, no, you got to invest now. This, this may be, and I, I don't mean to be dramatic but God only knows how many more riot youth camps we've got I, I can't wait till next year I can't wait till I'm older you, you don't need to wait till you've got your driver's license or till you graduated from high school or graduated from college or, 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 or gotten married you need to invest now you need to fill up your lamp now you need to get full of the Holy Ghost now you need to pray through tonight you need to fill up now I'm talking about not letting the pressure subdue you the pressure shut you down you need to say I'm going to do something for the Lord oh do you feel that way tonight Amen, amen. I want to just pursue this a little further. We know the parable of the talents. Uh, the man that was given one talent and two and the other given five. And it's all about conducting the Lord's business. It's all about taking risks. It's all about investing before the Lord returns. And, and those that had, they, they received more. But those that hunkered down, 
those that took their talent and buried it in the ground, those that were paralyzed by fear. And in fact, the one man said, I was afraid. I was afraid. And so he buried it in the ground and it was taken from him. You know what I'm preaching? If you've got a talent, you need to give it to the Lord now. You don't need to let fear paralyze you. It doesn't matter what you've seen somebody else do. It doesn't matter what you've seen others lose out with God. You need to get up and get Get busy. Get busy in the Lord's work. Hallelujah. As a pastor sometimes, I tell you, I, I get a little, I feel a little sorry for some of the busy people in the church. Because busy people, they're victims of their own success. They're the ones we go back to because they get it done. But as sorry as I feel for busy people, I feel a lot more sorry for people that are not busy in the Lord's work. And, and I feel like I'm preaching to a bunch of young people that are busy in the Lord's work. And, and to a church that's interested in the Lord's work. And, and I just feel the Holy Ghost coming to tell somebody, it's time like never before. You need to get involved. You need to get involved. Don't let the pressure stop you. Don't let the weight of the time stop you. Don't let fear stop stop you. Don't let depression stop you. Don't let what somebody else has done stop you. You need to say, God, it doesn't really make sense to really jump in right now according to my reasoning. But God, if you want me to do it, I'm not going to let the pressure of the hour stop me. I'm going to do the Lord's business. Hallelujah. And I've come to preach to young people. Listen to me. It's time for you to jump on board. It's time for you to buy into the vision. It's time for you to say, God, I want to be used in the kingdom of God. Oh, hallelujah. I want us to lift our hands and love him right now. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. You can be seated tonight. Amen. That, that, I, 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 I want to tell you, this story of Jeremiah, it's, it's, it's a prophetic object lesson. And, and the bottom line is what Jeremiah is teaching us. It's kind of, he's really in the, in the classic sense of a lot of the other prophets that would do object lessons trying to teach the people of God about stuff. And like Ezekiel, I mentioned last night, Ezekiel would do strange things. One time Ezekiel cut his hair off, all of it, and he divided it into three parts. And, and uh, he took one part and he, he burned it with fire. Now that would be weird, wouldn't it? If you're, no offense, but Brother McKillop came in and did that and burned part of it. And, and then if he was to take the other third and, and, and smite it with a sword, that's what Ezekiel did. And then he took the other third and he threw it into the wind. And, and, and God said, that is supposed to teach you something about what I'm doing. Another time, and I don't want to be graphic, but he told him to make bread out of, uh, let's use the biblical terminology, out of dung. And he told him to eat it. And it was supposed to teach the people of God some things. Well, that's what Jeremiah is doing in this chapter. God is using him as an object lesson. And, and really what the whole point of his lesson is this, and this is where I, I'm really headed tonight, is this, that Jeremiah, by buying a field, when everything looked bad, when the enemy was at the gate, when the enemy even owned the property, when, it, when inflation was sky high, Jeremiah buying that piece of property was telling the people of God 
that ultimately this is all going to turn around. You read further in that chapter and God keeps talking to Jeremiah. And he says, listen, what's going to happen is that piece of property, someday you're going to own that thing. Someday, he says, houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in the land. God tells them, I'm going to bring the people back after I take them into bondage. When I bring them back, I'm going to bring good upon them. Somebody say, good. Fields shall be brought in this, bought in this land. You'll say it is desolate without men or beasts. And men shall buy fields for money. And he finally winds it up. And God says, for I will cause their captivity to return, saith the Lord. You know what God is telling Jeremiah? Listen, man. You're in prison. The enemy's at the gate. This is the worst time ever to be buying property. There's only one thing you've got going for you, and that is the word of the Lord that says someday I'm going to make that property worth a whole lot more. And I'm just preaching to a great church tonight. I've come to tell you, we need to invest in the kingdom of God. It, it may look sometimes bleak. It may, we may feel like, you know what, the vision of the pastor may be great, but I think I'll just wait a while and see how it goes. I'm going to tell you, it's not time to sit back. It's not time to wait for it to turn around. You need to invest when the pressure's at the heaviest. We don't need Sunday morning Christians that just, I want to do it on Sunday morning. We, we don't just need Sunday night Christians that know how to do it when the shout's going. But I wonder, is there any young people that'll say, God, when the pressure's the heaviest, I want to be involved in what God is doing in my church. I'm going to act in faith. I'm going to step out in faith. If you say invest, I'm going to invest regardless of how I feel in my body. Amen. And I don't know you. I haven't been here. But it may be a situation where your home is hurting, where your heart is hurting, where, where, where your finances are in a wreck. I don't know what you're going through, ma'am, sir, young person. But I am just telling you it is time for somebody to step up and say, I'm going to buy into the vision of what God wants to do. Oh, I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. Amen. The enemy may be at the gate. The enemy may feel like they possess the land. I may go to sleep with their, their breathing in my ears. I may wake up with, it, with, it, with the, the sound of the chariot wheels outside the house. But I am going to be involved in God's kingdom. I'm going to be involved in what God wants to do. Amen. Because I'm going to tell you something about the church. The church is not going down. Can I tell you, the church is not dying. The church is not even sick. The church is not weak. But I believe we are a part of a glorious church. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we're a part of a righteous, glorious church. My Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9 that of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Amen. How many things can you say that about? Only the kingdom of God gets bigger. Only the church of God gets more glorious. Only the house of God gets more powerful. Somebody needs to buy into the vision tonight. Amen. 
Amen. That's why Jesus looked at Peter and said, he said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He said, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I'm talking about a glorious church that God is going to build. And God is looking for young people that will make up their mind. It may be 2015. I may feel pressure that my grandparents never felt. I may feel a weight on me that my parents don't even feel. But I'm not going to let that drive me out of the church. I'm not going to let that drive me from being involved in the church. Hallelujah. And I'm not even just talking about backsliding. I'm talking about I'm not just going to disengage from what the Lord is doing. I believe that God is reaching for some young men that will say, you know what? I'm going to be the biggest blessing to the church that I can possibly be. Hallelujah. Is there anybody that believes that God is interested in doing some great, great, great big things around here? Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. And I'll tell you, one of the, one of the beautiful ways to invest in the kingdom of God there's a lot of ways you can do it you can invest with your finances I believe young people can invest their finances in tithes and offerings in the kingdom of God I believe you can invest by your prayer into the kingdom of God. I want to encourage some young people to teach Bible studies, to, to reach out in whatever way your church is reaching out into your community and be involved in the kingdom of God. But I'm going to tell you another way that I really, I, I just want to encourage what's already happening. This church has a revelation of investing in God's kingdom in a beautiful way. And that is in the area of worship unto the Lord. I read, uh, the Bible tells us about a, a woman that anointed the feet of Jesus at Bethany. The Bible says when she came in, she had a, a, an alabaster box. The Bible says when she came in, she broke that box. And this is what I like. She smashed the box. The fragrance filled the air. And she, the Bible says she poured out that fragrance. That tells me she didn't hold anything back. She didn't keep something for the next day. She didn't keep something for down the road. And when people begin to mock and say, what's the deal with this? Jesus was, told them, listen, this lady is anointing me for my burial. She is feeling the pressure of the hour. Calvary's just a few hours away, and she is feeling that. But instead of backing away well, like a lot of the disciples were, this lady was coming to the feet of Jesus and pouring out everything she had to them. Now, I'm going to tell this church, I want to encourage you. Listen, when you come to the house of God, don't ever get tired of giving your praise and your worship to the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't ever get the mindset that says, I'm going to hold something back for another time. I'm telling you, God only knows what that, that pressure is driving us to do. God only knows what God is wanting to do in Plaster Rock and wherever your church may be. I'm telling you, when we come and pour it out to the Lord, it is the right response that says, God, I give you my everything. 
Hallelujah. And I, I really am almost done tonight. But I just want to say this to this church. When pressure comes in 2015, in whatever form it comes, when pressure comes on young men, when you feel that pressure, young lady, when you feel the pressure of life, listen, that ought to drive you not away from church, not away from the things of God, but let there be something in your spirit that says, God, I'm going to give myself to your kingdom like never before. I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. Is there anybody that feels that way tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Why don't we lift our hands and why don't we love him right now? Hallelujah. Come on, let's love the Lord right now. Oh, I love that sound. Let's love him right now. Hallelujah. In fact, why don't we stand our feet and let's love him. Oh, hallelujah. That's it. As you stand, let's just continue to worship the Lord right now. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you. I love you. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Oh, I magnify you, Jesus. That's it. Come on, for just a few more minutes, let's just love the Lord. Hallelujah to your name. Hallelujah to your name. Oh, hallelujah to your name. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. I really am almost done. And I'd like somebody to go ahead and come to the music. But let me say this tonight. Jeremiah in that prison, I really believe the last thing in the world he felt like doing was buying a piece of property that belonged to a cousin that was possessed by the enemy that was at the gate. The last thing he felt like doing, I really believe, was investing in the kingdom of Judah at that time. The last thing that would have ever crossed through his mind was for him to call up his cousin and say, you know what, I want to buy some property. I know we're about to go into captivity. I may not be back. I don't know if they're going to take me. He didn't know the future. But the Bible says that the word of the Lord came to him. And God said, Jeremiah, you need to engage, invest in what God is doing where you're at. And I, I'm just, I just feel to tell you this tonight. When the pressure of life and the pressure of your situation, whatever comes down the pike, there's a tendency sometimes for us to back away from what the Lord is doing. But I feel like the Holy Ghost wants to encourage somebody tonight. And young men and young ladies, it's time for us to engage, to invest. Don't wait until it's propi- the time is right, until the time seems propitious, till maybe you feel like i got to be at a certain age to do this. It's time for you right now, young men, to buy into the vision of your pastor. I, I don't know much, but I do know that there's some buildings being bought and some churches being started. I'm telling you, jump on board. Pastor, whatever you need, wherever you want to go, whatever wants to happen. If you just want somebody to be at the church praying, God, I want to be involved in what the Lord is doing. Is there anybody that wants to invest in the kingdom of the Lord? And right now as they're playing, 
worshiping, playing music. I'm going to open this altar. We've had a great week. God has been good to us. We're going to go back home. And some of you are going to go back, and there really is going to be pressures that come back on you that you've kind of shifted off as you came down to this camp. There's going to be the reality of life that comes back. And I believe the Holy Ghost is saying, when you feel that pressure, don't go and sit at the back of the church. Don't go and just sit on your hands. But continue to do like you have done and worship and magnify and get a hold of what the Lord is doing. Is there anybody that wants to be engaged in the kingdom of God? Amen. I'm open this altar right now for young ladies, for young men, for saints, for men, for women that will come to this altar and say, God, I am investing in the kingdom of God. I'm going to be involved in the vision of the Lord. Will you come tonight? Is there somebody that will step out this aisle and say, God, I want to invest in the kingdom of God. Come on, as you come, why don't you lift your hands and lift your voice and say, Jesus, I want what you're doing. I believe in what you're doing. I believe in the word of the Lord. I believe in the promises of the Lord. Hallelujah. That's it. Why don't we all come to this front? Let's come and lift our hands and our voices. 